Income Podcast. We are back from our break, and I'm on Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. So we have a new entry into the basic income space of analysis, and it's called the UBI Center uh, from someone who Jim and I both know, uh, Max Guinness. So the UBI Center is aiming to be a hub for doing economic analyses around UBI or UBI-like policies. So to really dig in on, on what what different approaches actually mean, do the numbers add up, and what is going to be the economic impact for people across the country. So I had a chance to sit down with Max and talk to him about the UBI Center to really dig in on what he's doing there and, and where he wants this to go. So here's Jim Pugh and Max Guinness on the Basic Income Podcast. All right, Max, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Jim. So to start off with, can you just tell us generally what is the UBI Center? Yeah, the UBI Center is a nonprofit think tank that conducts open source research into universal basic income policies. So the idea there is to take a policy like Andrew Yang's Freedom Dividend or another policy, maybe something like Scott Santon's or uh, Andy Cern's UBI plans and understand what the effect is going to be on poverty, inequality, maybe the deficit, and also how it's going to affect individual people. And longer term, also want to look at macroeconomic effects in terms of GDP growth, those kinds of things. So, I mean, that seems great. Like, there's been obviously some analysis. Roosevelt did some modeling around the economy and has looked at various aspects of cash transfer programs, but certainly not as much as I think much of us in this space would like. Uh, I'm curious, so what specifically made you decide to go in this direction? What made you want to start the UBI Center? Yeah, so I, I actually started my career in the tech industry and um, heard about UBI maybe seven or eight years ago through a lot of the channels that tech industry folks tend to hear about UBI in terms of automation. And I think there's still an important angle there in terms of even if automation doesn't kill all the jobs, it could introduce more dynamism, which could have people more likely to switch jobs and UBI can soften those kind of transitions. But over time, I got more into the cash transfer research showing that there's just a lot of positive impacts of cash transfers on health, families, mental illness, all those kinds of things. So this suggested that poverty is really the root cause of a lot of societal problems. And UBI was attractive because the current safety net can reduce poverty, but it's hard for it to completely eliminate it the way that UBI could. So I started getting involved in organizations like yours and um, started thinking that there was a lot of passion and a lot of advocacy work that is really important, but there seemed to be this gap in terms of um, specific UBI policies and just getting more centered around a UBI policy that lots of people can rally around and what the impacts of those policies would be. So. You mentioned Andrew Yoni's Freedom Dividend and, and others you're hoping to look at. You, you have already done several analyses through your platform. So yeah, what, what did you find there? What, what has stood out in the analyses you've done so far? Yeah, Andrew Yang's is the primary plan that I've looked at. So it's probably worth reviewing just what that plan is because it's kind of complicated. So this is a $1,000 per adult citizen per month cash transfer. And that has six other funding components. So there's a value-added tax, a financial transaction tax, a carbon tax. It also treats capital gains and interest as ordinary income. And also it raises a social, social security payroll tax. And it lets people choose between their existing benefits and um, the UBI. So that has a few components that are progressive, a few that are regressive. The UBI is quite progressive. 
but for example, rescinding benefits is more regressive. The VAT is also regressive because people consume more as a share of income if they're low income. So I think it's uh, tempting to just look at each individual component and say, what's the effect of that going to be? But the, the plan overall is actually quite progressive, sort of any way you slice it. So poverty falls by about 70%. Inequality falls, depending on the measure, by you know, single or double digit percentage points. And um, it's also median income rises. One of the most important features, though, is that I, I'm looking at a static analysis. So that just means that there's no inclusion of macroeconomic effects, like how people respond uh, in terms of labor market participation. So with those kinds of caveats, the deficit impact is quite large. It's about 1.4 trillion per year. So that's compared to the current deficit is 900 billion. So that would more than double the existing uh, deficit. So that could have some pretty unexpected effects. At the other, other end, um, there could be positive effects as well as the Roosevelt Institute has looked at. Can you say a bit more about how, you, you mentioned that overall this is progressive. Um, just give a bit more insights as to what this looks like for different types of people. Yeah, so uh, for example, if you're a single parent, you are probably likely to have your outcomes come out ahead. Um, if you are a non-citizen, you're uh, probably going to lose, almost certainly going to lose because you don't get the benefit, but you do pay the new taxes. So, however, if you're a high-income person, someone earning above, say, $200,000 as a household, also pretty likely to come out behind. So the most important factors are um, how many adults, whether you're a citizen, and to some degree, whether you get benefits, but actually the rescinding of benefits doesn't affect people all that much. It raises about 200 billion, under $200 billion per year in terms of that. And compared to the $2.8 trillion uh, price tag of the UBI, that's just not a huge factor. But it, so there's actually a calculator you can go to at ubicenter.org. Uh, plans.ubicenter.org is an interactive calculator you can show, uh, specify what your household characteristics are and um, see how it affects you. So you've done these analyses so far, you're planning to do more. In your ideal world, what impact does this have? Where, what do these analyses end up doing to the yeah, political and world at large? Yeah, I'm hoping that it can change the conversation from, I think there's a lot of conversation on the left and on the right that is pretty valid criticism of potential UBI plans. For example, folks on the left might say that it could increase poverty, it could increase inequality. And there certainly are UBI plans that could do that. For example, if you strictly just removed the existing safety net programs and replaced them with the UBI, uh, there was a paper from Hillary Hoynes and Jesse Rothstein showing that that would be quite regressive. Um, on the other hand, on the right, people are concerned about work incentives. So if you give people money, uh, there's an, something called the income effect and people reduce their work participation that way. I think both of those tend to um, refer to specific UBI plans and not others. So there could be UBI plans that actually are progressive. I think Andrew Yang's is overall quite progressive. Um, there could also be UBI plans that improve work incentives because a lot of the existing safety net programs have pretty high implicit marginal tax rates. So for example, food stamps, you lose, I think, 30% or, uh, of your income. So those kind of things, they provide really valuable service to a lot of people who need it. But if you're just thinking about what is likely to get people to work more or less, 
um, replacing some of those could have positive effects as well. So I think the idea would be decide what we care about as a society. Maybe that's we care about poverty, inequality, work incentives. Maybe we care about reducing the number of people who come out behind from a plan and then apply UBI to the same benchmark we would apply any other policy reform. So this is not new. Everything I'm doing is pretty standard in terms of looking at, uh, for example, the Trump tax cut. A lot of people did this kind of research, but there's so many outcomes that we could care about that figuring out which of those is most important and then people can design UBI plans that meet those criteria is what I'm hoping for. That's interesting because I, I do feel like oftentimes in conversations around UBI and I mean probably economic policy broadly, you do get this intermingling both of quantitative pragmatic assessment around economic impacts and so on, along with underlying ideological or, or value-based bias as to what is the right, quote-unquote, right way of approaching things. Is that, and I feel like oftentimes in the policy space, people just focus on a form where it's like, okay, like, let's analyze. We're not going to, like, deal with all the other kind of messy stuff and, like, make of it what you will. Are you thinking that you would in some way try to categorize or connect some of the aspects of these plans on, on that value side as, as part of this project? By the value side, you mean? What, what, what are what you're trying to accomplish? Like, yeah. is it about like eliminating poverty for as many people as possible? Is it about uh, minimizing government waste? Is it about work effects? All, all those sorts of things. Yeah, I think this is actually uh, an exciting area that could um, move forward, that the UBI Center could move forward in terms of economic policy, which would be to define the criteria and then design the policy algorithmically. So rather than uh, mostly you start with a policy and then you say, what's the effect of that going to be? Um, and this is a topic I presented at on a basic income conference about a month ago in New York, is what if you say instead, we're going to have some parameters fixed, let's say uh, in my example, it was a 50% flat tax, pretty generous tax, um, tax revenue base that that would generate. Um, and it's not necessarily a true proposal, but it gets a conversation going of what should the UBI plan have in terms of amount per adult, amount per child, amount per senior. And you can sort of tweak each of those numbers to achieve different ends. So if you want a UBI plan based on those parameters that is going to minimize poverty, you're going to have a different set of UBI amounts compared to if you're minimizing inequality or minimizing the share of people who come out behind. And this is all done with machine learning. So I didn't actually do anything myself. This was just um, with algorithms. So I think this can be a way to kind of take the subjective nature out of policy design and put it back into the hands of people deciding what they really care about. All right. Well, Max, those are all the questions I had. Is there other stuff you'd like to add? No, I think I really appreciate the time. I'd encourage listeners to visit ubicenter.org. If you have any questions, you can go to email me at max at ubicenter.org. And there's a few other things there too. Uh, this is, for example, an open source project. So if there are people with coding ability, either in programming a website or doing statistical analysis or economic analysis, you can actually do a lot on GitHub to contribute to the project. There's also donations and uh, follow us on social media. So lots of ways to get involved. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. That was Jim and Max Guinness on the Basic Income Podcast. Uh, I, I enjoyed that conversation. And it made me think about how 
maybe we should start naming the various basic income plans beyond something like the Charles Murray one or the progressive one. You know, we, we sort of grab for these labels, but we don't we don't really have anything because often you'll get into a, a debate about basic income or you'll just bring it up and someone will start, you know, say, attacking the Charles Murray plan. You know, they'll say, well, that's not what I'm talking about. And, and so, or like, they'll talk about the Andrew Yang plan or whatever it is. Uh, and the plans are pretty different when you when you get down to them. And so I'm glad that Max and other people are starting to really define each one and analyze them as their own thing. I think that's right. And I think that there has been some ad hoc naming that's happened. One that I've seen pop up a couple of times is talk about UBI Plus as being a UBI that is a supplement to the safety net, possibly including some sort of wealth or racial component as well, but that being a distinguishing feature from a, a more libertarian replacing the safety net approach. But yeah, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we, we need to know what we're talking about and we have, we have this name that can mean many, many things that's being used in the general public. So I think that is worth thinking about. Yeah, what are, what are the names that, that we want to use in this space and, and how to disconnect to the different problems we're trying to solve? I think a lot of what, a lot of the value that, that Max is bringing here is, to put it very crudely, like who wins and who loses with these plans. Um, like I think he makes a very good point about Andrew Yang's plan that it's, it's very progressive in general, uh, but if you are not a citizen, then you lose because you, you get the taxes and you don't get, get the dividend. And I think that just clarifies the discussion in, in a pretty easy way for, for people to understand, like how much money comes in or how much money do you get? How much money do they get? You know, and, and that kind of brings it down to, to what the actual impact of the programs are. Yeah, I do think it's, it's really important to be able to take a more honest look at these policies because so often it feels like either you have advocates who are like, yes, this is it, we have to go all in on this, let's, let's not think about possible drawbacks, or you have skeptics who are constantly trying to poke holes as opposed to looking at that balance between the two, which is ultimately, so we want someone to be doing that so, so you can take that more sober assessment. And so I, I think that being ha having a place that can really do that, I, I think, yeah, there's a lot of value that can come out of that. And, and I thought in particular, Max's goal of, with his calculator that he has on the UBI Center, allowing people to start with their values, their ideology, and then craft a policy that aligns with that is a really interesting one. Because I think that that way to, to what we were just talking about, the different naming and what we're actually talking about, this allows you to come in with, with what you want and say like, okay, this is what my basic income would look like. Now we still have to figure out what we're gonna call that so we don't confuse other people. But as far as getting a bit of clarity on how a policy does connect with what you wanna achieve, that seems like there could, it could be quite useful. One thing I will say though is, it I think will be important to remember this is just the economics of the policy. And so it's looking at who's getting more or less money. It's not touching on what are some of the less tangible outcomes, like what is political impact, what is the psychological perception, and also I think what is the power dynamics that comes into play when, when you talk about instituting programs like these. 
And those are all going to be important things to consider as well when, when talking about what is the right thing to propose. But being able to, to start with that economic base and, and have a strong understanding there seems like a really good thing. Yeah. And, and just to add on to that, I don't believe he factors in things like the savings you would probably see from education, healthcare, law enforcement spending, uh, because those are you know second or third order effects. And those have been studied, but maybe not rigorously enough or definitively enough to know exactly how much you, you would save. And so it doesn't belong in this sort of analysis. And finally, one thing I wanted to add is after we did this interview, Max sent over a few more stats that he thought it would be helpful to share. So this is all information on the UBI Center's analysis of the Freedom Dividend. So the first is that the average net gain is $520 per adult per month which works out to your UBI payment minus any taxes that you might pay and also reductions to your benefits. And that 86% of people will come out ahead with the program. Uh, and 90% of people in households earning under $50,000 would come out ahead. Most of the remaining 10% are the non-citizens who, because they're not getting anything, will in basically every situation come out behind. That'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson. Please rate us and review us on the podcast service of your choice. And please tell your friends. We'll see you next week.